Hello and welcome to The Independent Minds, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about how work works with the aim of creating better workplace experiences for everyone. I'm your host, Michael Middleward, the Managing Director of Abbasida. Today, I am joined by Tanya Diggory, who is the Founder and Director of Karma. Hello, Tanya. Hi, Michael. How are you today? I'm extremely well, thank you very much. I've convinced myself to be extremely well, and I hope you can say that you're also well. <laughs> Absolutely, especially when the sun is shining, as it is. <laughs> it is. It is shining, shining here in Yorkshire as well. Thank you very much for joining us today. I wonder if we could start by you telling us a little bit about how Karma came to be. Absolutely. So I founded Karma in 2016 and the inspiration behind it, and just to give a bit of context to start with, I suppose, um, we are a mental health and burnout prevention training organisation that's based in the UK and we empower entrepreneurs, freelancers and business teams to prevent burnout and nurture mental wellness. So the inspiration behind this was born from personal experience from around 2013, 2014 era, um, where I was uh, juggling two businesses at the same time and I was going through quite a lot in my life and I was working way too many hours. I wasn't taking great care of myself and I ended up just going through a period of really high stress and then eventually inevitably burnout. And then I needed to take time off work and I struggled also with anxiety, in particular panic attacks on and off for about a year. And at the time, if we think about, you know, when this was, mental health really wasn't talked about that much at that time. Um, and so I didn't really understand what I was going through. I couldn't really name my emotions easily. And um, so it was a quite a confusing time. Um, and it was quite an eye-opening time as well in, in just realizing that the real value and importance of looking after your mental health. And particularly as busy professionals, when you've got so many responsibilities, and um, people rely on you etc so it kind of was a bit of a wake-up call really and that experience and recovery almost set me on a new trajectory of curiosity into learning more about mental health and in particular understanding the difference between stress and when it actually becomes burnout so I became very curious about that and I retrained um, as an NLP practitioner mindfulness teacher mental health trainer and first aider and um, set up Karma with the view for there to be a platform to support professionals that says, it's okay if you're struggling, if you are, it's a normal human experience and this is what you can do to help yourself. So really normalize that conversation around mental health and also talk about mental wellness and what can you do to nurture and support and look after your mental health. And of course, help professionals how to, um, with how to understand burnout in a, a much better way, you know, for themselves. So it was born from personal experience, but also from engaging with a lot of professionals around that time as well, who were also really struggling or going through depression and high stress and anxiety and just not really understanding what it was they were going through and um, how to get the right kind of support. So um, we started out helping out entrepreneurs and startups and then it grew over the years to be supporting wider business teams as well um, and we primarily help through uh, CPD accredited training courses in supporting managers staff resilience training understanding the neuroscience of stress and burnout and uh, and we also do master classes and online courses so it really was quite a, a life-changing experience for you when you're ill, you're ill, but actually turning that into something that is much more positive mm. and also to help other people. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. You talked about how 
when you were having your experience that it wasn't really widely understood it certainly wasn't talked about has have things changed oh absolutely there's still a very long way to go um, especially when you're looking at shifting public perception on a national scale if not global scale you know we're in a very digitally switched on connected world so so much of what we learn about nowadays is is global there's a lot more awareness there's a lot more platforms nowadays to promote and to raise awareness of very important issues i think there's been a lot of reasons why people are more aware nowadays but there's there's still a way to go and um, there's still some misperceptions and myths around mental health and, and what it really means but definitely living in the best time there's ever been for mental health support if you just look at the number of charities and campaigns initiatives there are particularly in the westernized part of the world you know we're, we're really getting there slowly but it will take time yes yeah, so we're still on a bit of a learning curve but i think we are a long way down things are speeding up as well to increasing our understanding of mental health it is still though i think one of those things that is confusing for people and there are lots there's lots of language around mental health isn't there you know if you have a physical illness you've got a physical health issue there tends to be one word to describe it and it's very clearly what it is and it's very clear what sort of medicine or treatment it is that you're going to have in order to manage and, and recover from that. But there seem to be so many different words around mental health. A lot of them are nothing medical at all. There are ways of dealing with a mental health issue is to not ridicule it, but make fun of it. That's how we get used to accommodating it. And, and certainly in the long in the past, but, in your description, you mentioned various different words. And of course, the one that I'm most interested in is burnout. Well, first off, as well, on your point about the language around mental health, um, you know, I do believe that there is a lot of room for education um, in terms of helping people better understand mental health, definitely. Because when you do compare it to physical health, like you said, you know, when you see people's physical bodies in front of you, um, you can touch a body, you know, feel it, it's tangible, it's easier to understand. Whereas mental health is silent, you can't see it, it's hidden, um, you can't touch or feel it, so it's intangible. And so therefore, it's complex. And there's so much more language around describing different states of mental health, because it so comes down to each individual person's levels of tolerance of resilience of coping skills how they deal with times of change challenge adversity that's so unique to every individual person it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to mental health you know so so it's dependent on so many factors um, and you know what experiences they've been through in life to get them to where they are today and how they deal with stress and what they've learned about resilience etc so yeah and there's a lot right. a lot of language you know around describing the different states of mental health when you talk about mental health then I'm thinking like mental health is the management of the mind mm -hmm. and the mind isn't actually anything physical mm -hmm. you cannot go to a part of the body that is the mind there is the brain inside your head mm -hmm. but there isn't something that is called the mind as such the mind is the software mm -hmm. that makes everything else work mm -hmm. and it's a software fault rather than a, than a hardware fault mm -hmm. that creates the mental health issues but it's almost as if we've got, well, we do have artificial intelligence or natural intelligence in that what we're doing in, in the mind is you talk about resilience and coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And that is what the mind does. It, it copes, doesn't it, with the issues until it reaches a point where it cannot cope any longer. 
it, yeah, it is. It is very complex. And like the way that our brains are wired are completely unique to each individual person. You know, the thought processes, the neural pathways in the brain and how how it all connects. And, and you know, everything starts with the thoughts when you think about it. So what we think affects how we feel physically, emotionally, it affects how we behave. So actually, when we look at the bigger picture of our health and well-being, our mental health plays a big part in our overall health and well-being, because when our mental health is affected, it has a knock-on effect on the other aspects of our well-being. And, you know, you're absolutely right. A, a simple way to describe our mental health and what that really means is the state of our mind's health. You know, it's it's what we're thinking and how that affects us, you know, primarily. Um, and, uh, you know, we have good and bad days and ups and downs and, and we fluctuate. Everybody fluctuates. So everybody has mental health just as everyone has physical health, etc. The area of this sort of vast mental health agenda that you have decided to focus on is summed up in the name of your organization, which is Karma. So your aim is to, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, is that one of the ways in which we can better manage our mental health is to increase the days when we feel calm rather than days when we have anxiety or stress or anything anything else. Yeah, it's, it's empowering people to... Um, understand how they can help themselves to tap into and access that place of calm that we all have. We all have it within us. And as we, we tap into that, or we're able to tap into it. Um, and, you know, when we talk about resilience, obviously that's a huge topic in and of itself. It's, it's essentially helping empower people to know what's in their control and what's out of their control. You know, so, like when we look at anxiety, for example, and also, you know, panic attacks, um, a lot of that stems from a sense or a feeling of feeling out of control in your circumstances, feeling overwhelmed, feeling fearful or worried, etc. And And there's so much of that prevalent nowadays, sadly, within the workplace, you know, stress, anxiety and depression is almost an all time high. Um, so helping people to better understand how to manage and navigate feelings of anxiety or feelings of low mood and knowing what they can tap to within their internal resources through, you know, psychologically proven evidence-based techniques and strategies, for example, you know, to help them feel that bit more in control of what they can do and also understand that there are some things in life that we won't be able to control and, and that is part of life. And so how do we then address that? from our mindset, you know, of, of how we deal with difficult situations. It sounds a little bit like one of the things that we expect of ourselves in the 21st century is that we should be in control of everything, that we should know the answers. It's almost as if we've given up the opportunity to be wrong, given up the opportunity not to know, not to have the answer, which then adds to the stress, which then starts us on that path towards not being able to deal with the situation, not being able to pull on our resilience, not being able to do the things which will help us maintain our good mental health. I'm probably not explaining that particularly well. No, no, I think that's an interesting perspective. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you know, and I think, you know, I think there's truth in that. But for me also, I think my observation from what you've just said is um, I would look to how overstimulated our minds are these oh. days and um how our you know our attention is almost being pulled in so many multitudes of different directions it's difficult to focus and actually create the space that we need for ourselves to just breathe and reboot and reset and actually have a bit of time for 
ideas and inspiration to flow you know where we can end up in a bit of a pattern particularly as busy professionals of just going from one thing to the next to the next and especially in a hyper connected world where we can literally be switched on 24 7 and a lot of people feel the pressure to do that but then that's not conducive to a healthy human like there's we all have our limits and it will get to a point where there's only so much we can cope with because we're not designed to be constantly on the go um, and stressed out especially and one of my favorite phrases is we're human beings not human doings <laughs> we're not created to just be doing all the time like robots or machines we do genuinely need time to you know reflect reset and and replenish our energy levels yes another thing that i saw recently was somebody said said the human beings were not designed to sit at desks all day we're hunter gatherers mm. and we should be up and about and have set or limited or manage the time that we spend in one situation focused on one activity and then walk around the office walk around the actual office building because that is that is a more natural way to interact with people than sitting at your desk or at a, a meeting table and of course nowadays I suppose so much is done in terms of telephone calls online calls sitting down it's almost changed the scenario in, in some way or another to mm. give yourself that break from the particular type of environment we're talking around this in in very broad terms i suppose in many ways and i know from looking at your website this is karma.com that everything is very practical everything on your website is is talking about very practical solutions and the, the various different things that you do. And I'm thinking if I'm a manager of, of a team and listening to this, the sorts of things that I would be starting to think about is, well, what are the signs that before something, before someone is on the road to reaching that burnout point and having anxiety and stress and doubt and all sorts of other mental health issues, what are the signs or what can I do to, to be a great manager and help protect people or help people to protect their mental health that's a great question and i'm really pleased to hear that our website comes across as very practical because that is the aim <laughs> we've got a lot of resources on there so yeah i mean would it be helpful for me to also just explain um a bit about the difference between stress and burnout and then what managers can do please like i said at the beginning there are lots of words and when we use the word without actually understanding them we can almost Lower the significance of the illness and the condition that the word describes. So, yes, that would be very useful. Great. So that's the thing with, with stress. It's there's such a continuum with just looking at stress in itself. You know, um, with burnout, um, we describe that as a state that comes with long term unresolved stress that can end up negatively affecting your work and, and your life in general. Um, and even I think around 2019, um, the World Health Organization you know, recognize burnout as what they call an occupational phenomenon. They say that it results from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed and characterized by three main dimensions. So feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, um, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativity, cynicalness, you know, related to their job and also um, reduced professional efficacy. So they very much focus on it from that professional standpoint. Um, you often do hear people talk about feeling burnt out from other areas of their life as well, whether it's juggling different caring responsibilities or parenting. You know, there can be other scenarios that can lead to a sense of feeling burnt out. 
we've got a blog about the five stages of burnout, which is a guide we put together that's inspired by the Winona State University's burnout study. I will put a link to that blog article in the description below. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Um, so like in brief, that goes through five sort of stages that starts with, you know, when you're feeling perhaps quite excited and anticipating a new, say, job or project or experience that you're about to venture on. And, um, you know, you might notice feelings of, you know, creativity and high energy levels might be a bit nervous, but it's all kind of quite positive. And then when sort of like time goes on and you might have an onset of stress, things are quite difficult to cope with or it's just a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, then you may start to notice your optimism waning a bit and common stress symptoms can start to affect you, whether it's sort of feeling a bit more fatigued or forgetful, or you can notice physical symptoms like aches or pains, headaches, um, irritability, um, you know, your sleep can be affected. So there's different ways that stress can affect you. And then if this escalates um, to a point where it could become chronic stress, that that's where it starts to lend itself more to maybe a sense of feeling apathetic you know with what you're doing or it's just dr like drudging on to that point where it feels that bit more difficult to cope um you know substance misuse can even come in where even if it's to do with you know an overuse of whether it's coffee or alcohol and like you know going to substances to cope but versus you know take like having a cuppa to enjoy it or a glass of wine to enjoy do you know what i mean yes i do yes there's a different intention behind it, feeling more persistently tired and fatigued, um, you know, social withdrawal, those kind of things. And then when it gets to that point where it's it's long term and it's unresolved and it's it's affected you for a long time and it feels like this almost consistency of stress at a high level, that's when it can start to escalate into burnout. And um, this is where, you know, symptoms will become a lot more severe. Um, you might notice more chronic um, symptoms of what I've described before, for example. Um, more of like kind of detachment or escapist kind of mentality, feeling that kind of um, almost numb to your circumstances, feeling very drained of energy. I mean, burnout can be a very miserable place to be. It can also then elevate into sort of habitual burnout where it, symptoms can include actually potentially a mental health diagnosis where you're feeling quite suppressed or you're noticing anxiety fluctuating to what feels like an unmanageable state, chronic fatigue, chronic sadness. So it, it can get to be really challenging to cope with. And so in terms of like the workplace and what managers can do, well, first of all, I think it starts with actually educating managers in the first place, you know, and, and giving them quality training and high quality understanding about mental health in the first place and and starting with also them looking at how they're looking after their mental health and well-being because that's also a really important place to come from when you're supporting others in your workplace um you know look at how you're looking after yourself what do you role model to your staff how do you manage stress how do you communicate effectively um, how do you make a bit of time for yourself here and there? How do you talk about that with your staff? Because that that really makes a huge impact as well for your staff to actually see and hear their manager prioritise well-being and know that it's important. And then um, when it comes to supporting staff who may be struggling, um, it's trying to identify these signs and symptoms as early on as possible. So in the broader picture, it is about looking at, you know, what are you doing to nurture a mentally healthy culture in your workplace and it can start with just one person with wanting to make a change or do something different or inspire positive change in relation to having more openness and ease in relation to talking about mental health at work and um, the more open people are then the more likely they are to be able to open up sooner 
and you know spaces like having your one-to-ones and team meetings are great opportunities to put mental health on the agenda in a subtle way you know even just asking your colleagues you know how are you doing and what are you doing for your well-being this week you know it's not just all about work because you know that you know high productivity is intrinsically linked to good mental health and looking after yourself the two go hand in hand so it makes sense for managers to check in on their staff mental health and well-being that's, that's true listening to you talk there i'm thinking like yes we all have deadlines and we all have stressful things that we need to do at work and i suppose part of it as a manager or part of our responsibility as a manager is to identify where those stress points might be and once those stress points have been overcome, the project has been finished, the deadline has been met, whatever it is, we allow some downtime, some uh, time to breathe a little bit. You know, whether that is like, well, let's all go out for a coffee. Rather than have a coffee here, let's all go out for a coffee. Let's all go out for a sandwich. Let's uh, do something that we weren't able to do during the period of stress. Whether that is just wander around the shops, do some window shopping or go to the gym, whatever it is, it's almost planning into our work periods, that time where we will almost recuperate, we'll re-energize, we'll release the steam valve and allow this the stress to escape, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, that's a really nice point. Then we can move on to the next one. But when you're describing these mental health problems escalating, it seemed like, you know, to the chronic stage, to the stage where you know, people are at the risk of being diagnosed with a mental health issue. You're talking about mental health being something that there is no break from and that the, the stress is there, it isn't recognised, it isn't managed. There are things put in place to resolve the stress or prevent it. I'm mindful of when we talk about health and safety and hazards and risks, we talk about either removing the risk, minimizing the risk, managing the risk, or educating people about the risk so that they are aware of what they need to do. Like you say, it's all about education. It's all about not just education in a formal sense, I suppose, but also education in an informal sense as well. And that comes from the casual conversations, the, I read this in the newspaper, I saw this on the TV, I read this online whatever it is, sharing those bits of information which then might prompt someone to say, well, actually, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm feeling like that, you know, felt like that last week. I'm surprised no one noticed. Yeah, exactly. You know, Tanya, this has been really very interesting. I get the feeling that we have just scratched at the surface <laughs> of this whole issue of burnout and mental health. So I'm glad we connected. And I'm really grateful for the time that you've spent with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me here, Michael. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. And thank you to you for listening. I am Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a conversation with the independent mind, Tanya Diggory, of thisiskarma.com. You can find out more about both of us at abbasida.co.uk. There are links to all of the websites that we've talked about in the description. If you've liked this edition of The Independent Minds, please give it a like. And to make sure that you don't miss out on future editions, please subscribe. And remember, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you. <laughs>